0: Hello, everyone.
1: Hello, regular Drews. Today we are going to be discussing The Clue in the Diary, number seven.
0: Well, aren't you a regular Nancy Drew?
1: We sure hope so, and we hope you are too. Join us as we talk Nancy Drew cover to cover and click to click. Welcome to Regular Nancy Drew.
0: So this one was originally published in 1932, ghostwritten by Mildred Wirt Benson, and then was revised in 1962 by Harriet Stratemeyer Adams. Do we want to talk about the cover a little bit? For sure we want to talk about the cover. I love this cover. It's so cute. It is so good. It looks like we both have the 60s version. We do.
1: Yeah, we do. But I've seen, I saw the picture. I looked up the picture of the first one, and it is also really good. Is Nancy, it? her outfit is so on point in that one. She's like wearing this really awesome looking coat, um, and like a hat situation. But I just love this so much. Well, one, Nancy's blonde, mm-hmm. which for the '60s revision, I thought was interesting. But she's very blonde on this mm-hmm. cover. She's like Marilyn Monroe blonde. Yeah. And I mean, it's just like it's so bright, like all the bright colors, and it's like it's an action scene. It's mm-hmm. very like when you see this cover on the book, you're like, "Oh okay,
0: like I well, gotta read that book, yeah, yeah, speaking of her hair, they they referred to her as Titian blonde in this one, So mm-hmm. I thought that that was really interesting. I've never seen both terms used at the same time for, so.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this is definitely not Titian Blonde, though.
0: No, no, this is this Blonde is, Blonde.
1: This is almost Bottle Blonde. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, this is a, so this is a scene from the book, obviously. It is a very important, one of the first scenes full of action. So you can even see in the corner, you see the little diary. <gasps> There's a diary in the corner. Yeah, yeah that's, that's mid-fall onto the ground.
0: Oh my goodness!
1: Yeah, you can even see rendition. So, like the that image of the guy's face matches the description of the guy in the book really well. Mm-hmm. Like the square jaw, blonde hair situation. But you can even see Nancy's red painted fingernails mm-hmm. on this. It's like so detailed
0: and just so good. Did we find any information about who the illustrator was?
1: Yeah, I think I don't know about the new one, but the original was Russell Tandy. Okay. This so this book was one of my uh, mom's originally. Aww. Yeah, you can see her her name in the in the cover. So I felt like this was a really good a really good one to end, kind of our mystery stories jaunt with. I feel like we started with a really good one and we ended with a really good one.
0: Absolutely, this was an excellent choice for this week. Mm-hmm. Three words.
1: Oh. Driving. So much driving.
0: Oh, yeah. Lots, lots of driving.
1: Ned. Oh, well, yeah. Ned deserves Ned deserves title, place. Ned. Driving. Fraud? Fraud, yeah. It was like some, some inventions, maybe. Mm, yeah. But, yeah. But fraud, I think, works
0: overall for the feeling of the crimes in this book. Mm. Yeah. We don't get to actually see any of the inventions. We get a little bit of a description of them, but... I was
1: really thinking that we were going to get a little bit more information about the explosion having been caused by one of the inventions or mm-hmm. him using an invention to cause the explosion somehow, but we never did. No. They talked at one point about like remo- a remote control started invention, but that that was really it. Yeah, that was kind of strange. Yeah. So do we want to do a summary? Yeah. Let's jump in. Okay. So we start off, and our girls, uh, Nancy, Bess, and George, are talking about this family called the Swensons who they had just met at a carnival. Mrs. Swenson and Honey is who they met. Mm-hmm. apparently they were standing off kind of to the side forlornly, because Nancy surmised that they couldn't afford the price of admission. So she paid for them and had them come along with her, Bess and George. Mm-hmm. And so they are just kind of talking about how much they were charmed by them, how much they really liked them and how much they want to help them because they seem to be down on their
0: luck. Apparently how precious honey is the little five-year-old daughter. Yeah. Right. And the husband has supposedly disappeared or has lost contact with the wife somehow. So this is why they're in such a dire financial situation, because she's relying on the husband to provide money and he's nowhere to be found. So Nancy has has some compassion for them. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And so so then so they're taking a picnic on the side of the road and then they start to drive back to River Heights from this carnival. And on the way, they see a house burning.
0: or It explodes, doesn't it?
1: I don't know, that. do they see the explosion? Oh no, you're right, you're totally right. There was a tremendous explosion. So uh, they see a the house explode, like a country estate situation. Mm-hmm. And they drive up and Nancy sends Bess and George to go get help at like a nearby house. Mm-hmm. And she tries to go around to the door, the back door to see if she can get in to try to help rescue anybody. But as she's going around, she sees a man fleeing back into the bushes. And she thought that he looked guilty.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's suspicious. Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. So as the fire department and, like, more people arrive and everything, they learn that this house is owned by these people called the Mm -hmm.
0: the
1: Apparently wealthy people. But, like, no one likes them. Mm -hmm. Everyone hates them. We learn a little later that this guy's called foxy felix because of Mm -hmm. like he he like cheats people out of their Their inventions right Mm -hmm. their investments and so that's why nobody likes him basically
0: because his his riches are ill-gotten gains as it were and they're also just mean people (laughs) right so while they're putting out the fire nancy sees a diary on the ground that she assumes that was was dropped by the man that she saw running away
1: yeah no she doesn't have time to like look at the diary though because the house is literally like pouring smoke onto her and she, she has to kind of move embers
0: were raining down around her
1: and- um and like the fire is kind of growing and just like i think the wind shifts or something and everybody realizes that they need to move their cars you know because the embers might catch the cars on fire right. and so nancy goes over to a car to start to move it and she notices a young man inside her car starting her car trying mm-hmm. to move her car for her And we're, like, kind of affronted by this. They're like, excuse me? Who is this?
0: First of all, why are you leaving the keys in the ignition? Uh, But he explains he's just trying to move it for her to get it out of the way of the fire. Uh, But then he introduces himself as Ned Nickerson. So we meet Ned for the first time. Ned defer. What a good introduction.
1: It is, yeah. So technically, we don't actually learn his name right away. Nancy is kind of... like left being like who is that man or whatever but then as Mm -hmm. she Bess, and george are leaving she gets into a car accident with this guy named mr weston who's apparently just like nervous and this really bad driver (laughs) and like hits her car and so she is like oh like we're gonna have to like we can't drive it like this because the bumper is like hanging off or whatever and there's like this traffic jam of trying to get off i guess the reybolt's driveway right and ned is out there directing traffic
0: there's just volunteers to do this hops out of his own car and starts directing things
1: and he helps nancy with her car he like pulls the bumper off and takes them to a nearby uh garage and also buys her and the girls ice cream sodas while they wait
0: oh Can I just say, this is the only thing that I remember about this book. I do remember (laughs) specifically reading this book in my childhood, but the only thing I remembered of it was Ned directing traffic. And that's how we (laughs) meet Ned. (laughs) None of the mystery, none of the actual meeting of Ned, just Ned is out there directing traffic and that's how Nancy meets her boyfriend. (laughs) So good. So hilarious. Um, Anyway. This is when they overhear, when they're getting the ice cream, they overhear some other people in town talking bad about the rivals and how they're such jerks and nobody likes Foxy Felix. Mm-hmm. So Nancy,
1: yeah, finds the garage, leaves her car there, or uh, they fix her car, and but only like a little bit so that it's roadworthy and then she takes it back to river heights planning to drop it off at her own mechanic and when she gets home she talks to carson and carson tells her that um he also just accepted a case from someone who wants to sue felix raybolt foxy felix raybolt i'm only going to call him foxy felix from now on
0: might as well might as well that's how the book refers to him from now on so (laughs)
1: And so we learn basically that Foxy Felix, I can't, no, I'm not going to stop laughing. <laughs> Foxy Felix, he buys people's uh, patents, inventors patents, and cashes in on their ideas, He basically promises to pay them royalties, like verbally, but they don't get any agreement in writing. And then he doesn't pay them anything.
0: Such a 1930s scenario. <laughs>
1: no, no. Nancy, Nancy is like, is that is that legal? And Carson's like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, it's not cool, but it's legal. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, yeah, the the client of Carson's was screwed over by, by Felix. And it's starting to seem like he's done this to a lot of people. Right, right, right.
1: Nancy gets a chance to look at the diary. And she basically surmises somehow that it's all written in Swedish. Because I guess apparently Nancy knows a little Swedish. Because she used to know someone... She was an exchange student at her school.
0: Yeah, her her childhood friend taught her a few key phrases that all happen to be very specific to this mystery and are not just things that you would just use in everyday life. Um, But so she, she can't read the whole thing.
1: So she thinks like, okay, I got to find someone to translate this diary. But then Ned calls and this is where he tells her that he found a ring in the ashes with the D, the letter D on it. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, oh, great. Well, come over. <laughs> I'd love to see it. it It has apparently it has an inscription on it, so Nancy's interested in the inscription, apparently. Mm-hmm. but I think we're very much set up to to think that Ned is using this as an excuse to come see Nancy.
0: Of course it is. <laughs> By this time, Bess, George and Hannah have all been kind of teasing Nancy about her her new suitor that definitely has a crush on her. it's It's very cute. But Nancy insists it's just a business meeting. They're just meeting for for practical purposes. This is not a date. It's just
1: about the mystery. This is yeah, all business. This is not a social call. This is yeah, this is for the mystery, guys.
0: But it's a social call that you need a fancy dress for. So of course mm-hmm. she-,
1: she does. She does. She puts on a really fancy dress. But um, so uh, earlier uh, after he calls, she drops off her car at the mechanic just so that we we know Nancy's car is out of the out of the picture right now, and that mm-hmm. kind of causes some complications in the mystery. But yeah, when Ned brings the ring, eh, he and there's like this meeting with like him and Carson and Carson and Nancy we'll talk about it we'll have to yeah. talk about it but anyway Ned, Ned brings the ring and he tells her that the fire department thinks that explosives were involved in the fire and it's like way to go fire department we knew that it exploded yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway um, but apparently no one can find the bolts. the bolts are like missing no one has been able to locate them um, inform them that their house has burned down right. almost entirely um, and that they've lost everything in it. So, so no
0: one can find them. Apparently they go on vacations quite frequently and it's not uncommon for them to just like go to the Hamptons or wherever and leave their house for months at a time. Right. So I think Carson says he's going to work on, on tracking down the Raybolts, right? right. So he's going to look yes. into that. And then Hannah lets us know that she actually knows somebody who speaks Swedish. So that's kind of perfect.
1: Yeah, it is the, a baker in town that uh, Hannah and Nancy used to go to a lot when Nancy was young. And so Nancy tries to go, go there to get it translated, but apparently he's ill and um, he can't see her. But don't worry, he'll be better soon and she can just come back later. And she's like, okay, great. Um, but she does investigate the diary a little bit more. And she recognizes that there is an address in the diary. She understands that there's an address. And recognizes it as the Swenson's address. Mm -hmm. So obviously now we think that this diary must belong to Mr. Swenson, Honey Swenson's father. Right.
0: Nancy's just kind of distressed at the thought that her her new friends might be involved or be related to the guy that's suspected of maybe starting this explosion or the fire. So, Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. So they kind of have to like hurry along the mechanic until he gets Nancy's car ready so that they can go and visit the Swensons. So they do that. Nancy, Bess, and George drive up there, and they go to visit the Swensons. And Honey, who is a five-year-old girl, is just out on her front yard alone Mm -hmm. and nancy's like is your mom home and she's like nope she went to the post office there's like an altercation with the dog or whatever but the the main issue (laughs) is that honey a five-year-old uh child alone home alone i was just i was like what i mean like you know well i don't want to get i don't want to Get too into a diatribe or anything, but like you know, I get the concept of like latchkey kids or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, like walking home from school, parents not home from work yet. I like, I get it. Five years old though, yeah. Seems like, seems like young.
0: I was gonna say that's very like 1930s childcare, but it's also like 1960s childcare as well.
1: Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh. Anyway, but she invites. Uh, Nancy Besson George inside, and she shows them her father's inventions. He made a bunch of toys for her, and so this is where they learn that um, Mr. Swenson, Joe Swenson is an inventor, and so they kind of, that matches up with what they saw in the diary, that it looked like diagrams of inventions in there, and so really this is not looking good for Mr. Swenson, right, because adding up to
0: motive here.
1: Right, because we know about Felix, Foxy Felix, you know, uh, his his kind of dealings with local inventors and we saw what must have been you know Mr. Swenson dropped this diary as he was fleeing the exploding Swenson's house so Nancy Bess and George George are getting really kind of upset at this and Bess actually like goes into the kitchen is kind of like in tears being like this is awful what do we do
0: they're like, we can't tell the right. family this. Right,
1: right, right. Because, you know, Mrs. Flenson is just kind of like distressed and she can't, she, you know, she's she can't buy food and stuff. And so basically Nancy just says, OK, well, what we'll do is we'll go to the store and we'll buy a bunch of food to come back here and make dinner for them.
0: Also, their cupboards are completely bare. Like they have right. basically no food in the house.
1: Right. It's, see, honey says that really the only thing they have been eating are eggs because they have um, some chickens, it seems like. Mm-hmm. But she's sick of eggs. And her mom said, you know, maybe if we can sell some, I'll buy, you know, some other kind of food. But um, yeah, they talk multiple times about how honey is really thin and underfed i have so much to say about this so we'll talk about it later Yeah, we'll
0: talk about all the class disparities yeah <laughs> we'll get into it but yeah so nancy decides that she is uh she's gonna try to go track down mom on the way back from the the post office because mom is supposedly walking so nancy's decides i'm gonna go pick her up and then we're gonna go buy some groceries and then Bess and george you stay here watch honey and then when we get back you know we'll cook a big meal for everyone
1: Yeah, so she does that. She kind of has to like persuade Mrs. Swenson to kind of let her do that Mm -hmm. because they talk about Mrs. Swenson being pretty proud and you know not wanting to accept "quote unquote" charity. Mm -hmm. But but she's she you know she's able. She buys a bunch of groceries. She tries to buy a bunch of luxuries. She tries to buy ice cream and cake and a bone for their dog and all of that uh, for for Honey especially. And then uh, when they, I think it's on the way
0: or. I don't I think I don't. on the way back, Nancy starts questioning, seeing yeah. if she can, like, you know, get some info out of Mrs. Swinson about, you know, what kind of inventions does your husband make? And trying to get more information about who her husband is to see if she can confirm that this is the same guy that probably set the house on fire. So,
1: yeah. And so she finds out that Joe's mother's maiden name was Doll, um, like D-A-H-L.
0: Both of their mother's maiden name was Dahl. What? Which is weird, right? I missed that. She's like, yeah, that's the the maiden name of both of our mothers. It's both of our family names. So it's like, are you guys related? But (laughs) I missed that. I thought that that was very strange.
1: (laughs) Wow, what a thing to mention, too. Could have just been one of their... Wow, all right. Mm. Um, But then she also learns that Mr. Swenson was also cheated by Felix Raybolt. Um, yes. And so, yeah, things are really not looking good here for Mr. Mr. Swenson. It's looking more and more like he has a lot of motive to have
0: set their house on fire. And Nancy finds a family photo when she's at the house confirming, yes, that is the same man that I saw running away from from the fire. And then Ned comes over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they have a nice
1: little dinner party situation. Ned also leaves them $5 as they're on their way out. So sweet. Mhm. Um it was really cute how he did it too. He was like, "Gosh, I really want to <laughs> Do you think she'll be offended if I leave $5?" Which if you look that up, that's like
0: 40 bucks today. Nice. Nice.
1: So, uh, Nancy goes back home. She finds another location in the diary. In Stanford, apparently Mr. Swenson bought some kind of like materials from this location or something. That's what she makes Mm -hmm. out from the diary. And we realize, oh, that's also where Mr. Weston lives, who is the man who crashed into Nancy's car Mm -hmm. earlier. And so she has to go there anyway to get money from him for her car repairs. Right. We also learn um, from Carson that Mr. Weston happens to own an electronics factory in Stanford. Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is like oh kismet great i'll see if joe swenson is working there Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so of course they go there um oh wait no oh sorry so carson also tells nancy that he found mrs raybolt and that he found her and he questioned her where she was staying or whatever but he thinks that she's returning to mapleton which is where that house is Mm -hmm. and um she'll probably stay at the only hotel in that area to be close to the house and so nancy best and george go there to try to like interview her to talk to her get information Mm -hmm. out of her and so they go there for lunch and when they get there they see her getting out of the car and she
0: faints and she's like oh i can't go on Nancy's like it's okay like your house you know that you get reimbursed the insurance and everything it's all right yeah but
1: she tells them that her husband died that her husband was dead in that fire and nancy is kind of confused about this because apparently the fire department didn't find any bodies or whatever she has like this morbid thought for a minute like oh no what if the explosion she doesn't actually say it but like basically what if the explosion like scattered (laughs) Body so far, or eviscerated it so much, or well, that's not the right word. Not eviscerated, evaporated. I think that works, yeah. (laughs) Whatever. But ultimately, you know, the fire department didn't think anybody was inside. So she didn't Mm -hmm. think that that was Mm -hmm. true.
0: So she's utterly hysterical, though. Just very, you know, there's no talking to her at this point.
1: Mm -hmm. So they, yeah, they go on to Stanford.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But on the way, a state trooper stops them. And tells them that there's a criminal somewhere hiding along this road that they're planning to take. Um, Bess is, of course, really freaked out by that um, and doesn't want to (laughs) go. But Nancy and George are like, oh, you know, you baby, it'll be fine or whatever. And so they go down the road and, of course, they get lost. And George is like oh, I see a shack over there. Let's stop and ask for directions. And Bess is like, are you crazy? Like, what if there is a criminal in there? Mm -hmm. Um, But they go up to the shack anyway, and they knock, and nobody answers, although they thought they heard somebody back there, but oh well. Um, So they end up just, like,
0: picking a road to take. Well, they break in first. They break into the shack. They do? Are we sure we both read the same version? Hold on. Cause they just like straight up break into the shack and spend like 10 minutes in there, just like looking through the stuff and then determine that it's, there's nothing there, you know? Hold on. Oh no, you're right. Yeah, they did. Okay. Okay. They
1: did. I don't know why I'm not, I'm not remembering. So they end up having to like double back to actually get to Stanford, but they do. And they get um, there in time to see Mr. Weston at his factory. And he immediately writes her a check for, (laughs) for the money he owes her as damages. But then, and she also asks him if uh, Joe Swenson works for him, and he calls HR, and they say that no, nobody by that name works there. So they leave, but on the way out, they kind of get stuck in traffic as like all the factory workers head home for the day. Mm-hmm. And Nancy sees what appears to be Joe Swenson, um, like on foot, and mm-hmm. so they follow him, but they lose him. <laughs>
0: Cause a parade just happens to be coming down the street at that same <laughs> like, time. And he disappears into the crowd of the parade. and Nancy has obviously the roads blocked. So
1: it's got to be a hallmark of Nancy drew mystery stories that they will always chase someone and then never actually like catch up to them. They'll right. never meet them. They'll get away. That happens. I swear in every
0: single book. Anyway. So yeah, we we lose him in the crowd, so Nancy decides to just go home. And then Ned calls when Nancy arrives home and invites her to go to a a dance with him.
1: A dinner date. A dinner dance. At At that dinner dance, she meets some of his friends, one of whom is named Phil. And apparently his dad is a postmaster in Stanford. And he says that apparently there have been lots of reports of stolen mail there recently. Mm-hmm. And Nancy's like, hmm, this adds up. I get it. This is this is why mm-hmm. Mrs. Swenson may have not received anything from her husband, any
0: money, because mm-hmm. yeah, she she thinks that, or for some reason, she believes that he's sent a couple of checks by this point, but nothing has arrived. So that's why they've, you know, been having to ration their money to, to right. pay for groceries and stuff until then.
1: Um, So the next day she wants to go back to Stanford to try to find Joe Swenson. So they do that. And at lunchtime uh, at the break, lunch break at the factory, she sees him and, you know, she talks to him. She tells him, oh, your wife is kind of in a really bad way. She hasn't gotten any of the money that you've sent her or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And then she also gets his perspective on what happened on the night of the fire. So yeah. he says that he showed up there for an appointment and as soon as he knocked on the door, the house like immediately erupted into flames. The explosion mm-hmm. happened and he tried to get in. He tried to get in the door to like you know help anybody who might be inside but it was locked. It wouldn't budge. Mm-hmm. And then as he heard a car driving up the driveway, which we
0: mm-hmm. remember Just is Nancy's
1: car, he flees thinking that he might be
0: blamed for the fire. Which Mm. is what's going (laughs) to (laughs) happen. So, yeah, he does confirm that he had sent two checks by now, but they haven't arrived, obviously.
1: And he actually gives he gives Nancy the twenty five dollars he was just about to send to his wife. And she says that she'll go ahead and take it
0: directly to Mrs. Swenson. Right. So he has to go back to work and Nancy starts leaving and a man grabs her in the parking lot. Mm -hmm. He
1: confronts her and he's like, what are you doing snooping around here or whatever? And what are you doing talking to that man? But she very kind of skillfully brushes him off Mm -hmm. and is able to get out to really no effect. And they go like see a movie or something. (laughs) It's like a weird time filler. Mm -hmm. Oh, but that might not be until later. But anyway... (laughs) She decides, instead of delivering the twenty-five dollars to Mrs. Swenson like she said she would, she has an idea to go to the post office and do a little uh, uh, experiment, on a little trap, to see what would happen if she tries to mail this. And so she talks to the postmaster there and is like, "Okay, I'm going to mail this letter. I'm taking out this money order. Will you see? Will you make sure that it leaves here?" And he is like. Gotcha. Yes, absolutely will do. And Nancy's like, okay, well, I'll go to the other one and see if they get it, I guess. I didn't really Mm -hmm. understand this plan very well. I I think it really just affected, it it was just that the postmaster needed to watch Mm -hmm. the mail, basically, look for that specific letter.
0: Right. So they they do, they figure it out pretty much right away. They can determine who's been stealing the mail and they arrest the guy for it. Mm -hmm. And his accomplices...
1: Yeah, he has a couple of accomplices. One working in another post office, um, and then like someone to go and like cash in the money orders. Which, side note, I thought was weird because I thought the whole point of a money order was that only specific people could cash them.
0: Right. I don't know.
1: So I don't. Maybe it was different back in really? the '40s and '60s or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't. I thought that was strange.
0: Anyway. But this this is the same guy that uh, grabbed Nancy's arm in the parking lot. So right.
1: Right, right, right. So that's solved very quickly. <laughs> but then, um, so they decide to go back to the factory to talk more to Joe. And on the way there, and, and you know, tell him about what happened with the money and, and everything. Mm-hmm.
0: On the way there, they overhear, I guess, basically two beat cops. Oh, no, they're, they're just random guys. We don't know who they are. Oh, right, right, right. are not dressed like police. But they are they are undercover. Yeah. Undercover police, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um saying that they are gonna go to the factory because they think that this guy, Joe Swenson, is working there and they're gonna go there to arrest him for suspicion of setting this fire. Which is like, hold on a second, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I can't not say something about this. If you are two undercover police officers on the street, you're undercover, why are you talking about what you're about to go do, right? (laughs) You should have been, you should have talked this, talked about this, you know, in private at, you know, at the station or before you were undercover. You're literally on your way there right now, just walking down the street, just like loudly speaking about this. So the girl sitting in the car and her running convertible right next to you hears every word that you say.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sorry. So Nancy's like, ah, well, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to hurry over there. I'm going to intercept Joe on the way out of the plant. So that's what she does. She goes and picks him up.
1: Is this where they get arrested? Yes, it is. They're like on the way to wherever Joe is staying, kind of on the outskirts of town or whatever, end up getting followed by police and pulled over by police officers who tell Joe to get out of the car, arrest him, and like almost, basically almost arrest Nancy, Bess, and George too, Mm -hmm. but tell them that they just need to make sure that they come to the police station. Don't go anywhere else. We're going to follow your car. Mm -hmm. Come to the police station for questioning. So they do. <laughs> so they do. And Joe doesn't admit anything. He basically tells them exactly what he told Nancy um, about, you know, the circumstances about the fire and Nancy does her best to kind of advocate for him, tell the police that she thinks he's a good guy and that he's not responsible for anything. And in fact, she thinks Felix Raybolt is alive. And then they're like, okay, well, you know, we have to arrest him. We still have to arrest him, which I thought again, we'll talk about this, but I thought that was weird.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And, but you guys can go, you know?
0: Well, first Nancy says her name and then they're like, Oh, Oh. you're Carson's daughter. Okay. I guess we won't arrest you. you (laughs) Um,
1: And then on their way out of the station, Mrs. Rabel comes into the police station and
0: slaps Nancy in the face. Has a freaking tantrum starts accusing her of aiding and abetting the man who killed her husband.
1: And I mean, the police come out and they don't seem to give a lot of credit to um, Mrs. Raybolt's story. But that's kind of it's a kind of unclear as to why. But it seems like they understand that she's just kind of hysterical or whatever. And mm-hmm. they, you know, kind of try to calm her down and Nancy and Bess and George leave.
0: Literally calls Nancy a meddling teenager. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was intense. Mm mm-hmm. But from this little outburst, Nancy thinks, hmm, you know, that seemed a little little theatrical to me. I'm not sure that I totally believe that he's dead or that she believes that he is dead. I think she knows more than she's letting on here.
1: Yeah. And the police are like, what clear, level-headed thinking, Nancy. Um, what a great what a great insight. We're working we're working on that theory, whatever.
0: <laughs> and also, can you come back later and teach us how to do our jobs? <laughs> Not really. That's not what happens. But
1: so after I think feel like Nancy takes some side trips. I don't really remember. Ned
0: comes over
1: that when she gets home. Ned shows is basically at her door, and he's like, "Do you want to go to the movies or something?" He'd
0: been waiting for her because he didn't know when she would get home.
1: <laughs> um, and and Nancy's like, "Well, actually, I literally just went to the movies today, <laughs> but you can come in and we can talk."
0: And so Ned comes in and they, they talk a little bit. Well, he admits that he really didn't want to go to a movie. He'd rather just sit and talk because he just came over to spend time with her anyway. my oh, gosh. Oh, <laughs> so, cute. so cute. Anyway. Oh,
1: sweet. They're not even dating and he's so sweet and attentive. Mm-hmm. My gosh. Anyway, so she asks him to visit Joe Swenson in jail the next day to try to cheer him up. And also they had stopped to t- they- So on their way back, best George and Nancy stopped to like basically buy honey, a whole outfit. Mm -hmm. And she asks him to take these packages or whatever the presents to honey. And he's like, okay, yeah, great. I'll do that. I'll also take them to go visit Joe Swenson in jail. So hopefully that'll be, that'll be nice for them. I guess.
0: Good guy. Honestly, like just such. So thoughtful. (laughs) And again, this is not just going around town in River Heights. She's asking him to drive like the better part of two hours to, or longer than that, just to get there, pick up uh, Mrs. Swinson and Honey, go to the jail, which is like another hour away, and then come back, drop them off, and then come back to River Heights. So. To be
1: fair, I do think Mapleton, which is where Ned lives, is like midway between. Stanford oh, that's right. And River Heights, so he is closer to them.
0: That's right. I forgot he wasn't in River Heights. He's, yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: He's from Mapleton. anyway so he agrees to do that um and then carson gives nancy a tip that someone looking a lot like felix raybolt was seen at a gas station just outside of mapleton Mm -hmm. and so nancy Bess, and george the next day try to go they track down this gas station they ask the clerk they were like did you see this man or whatever and he's like yes he went that way. And so they basically they follow the road that the clerk directed them down. Funnily enough, this road leads to the shack that they had knocked a door broken around, into or had broken into earlier. But they talked to a foreman on a construction site nearby, and he said that like there was a guy there who was like kind of really angry and like upset Some that we were around. And- yeah. He's gone. He left already. So they're like, dang it you know that was our like one lead and so they decide to since they're in the area they decide to go and visit joe and while they're talking to him he says something kind of significant about you know the diary might be really helpful there's a clue in the diary right but he's trying not to be uh, super specific about it because there are police around and mm-hmm. so nancy catches this hint and it's like okay oh yes all right mm-hmm. And so she ends up taking it to the baker again, who is well this time. After he had gone to the hospital, there was like drama or whatever. She takes it back to him, and he happily translates the diary for her. And there's a part in it that uh, where it mentions that Felix Raybolt had like a secret hiding place for like important papers and documents somewhere in his house because he didn't mm-hmm. trust the banks or something or like safety deposit boxes, so he kept important papers in his house. Mm-hmm. And so Nancy has an idea, has a plan on how to trap Felix Raybould. And I thought that this was going to be some cool, like, we're going to, you know, go there and find the papers and like lure them out with them or something. But no, no, the plan <laughs> is just to go there and do a stakeout basically. Right. Because like, you could have done that at any time. I understand mm-hmm. that like, They didn't know there was a reason for him to come back before, Mm -hmm. but the plan is just for them to go.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, and the police that had been kind of watching the house until this point are now, they've now left. Right. So kind of the perfect time. If, if Rabel is going to come back and try to sneak into his safe to get his papers and then disappear with them, they can catch him in the act.
1: How lucky that we learned this on the exact right day. Happy coincidence. (sighs) um so nancy goes drives up there with um bess and george hannah tries to get her to take ned with her um, mm-hmm. or her dad or ned or whatever because she's like oh you need a man or whatever and nancy's like yeah i guess it would be smart or whatever mm-hmm. and so we'll try to track him down when we get to napleton to see if you know he'll come help us and they end up like knocking on his his door his house's door his mom answers he's not home and so they're like, okay, well, we, they leave a message saying where they went and for him to meet them there if he, mm-hmm. can.
0: Yeah. And Carson's at work, so he can't come either. Right. So just the three girls go to the Raybolt house and start staking. Or the, first they try to, like, look around the house and see if they can determine where this safe is. They don't have any luck, but they hear someone coming, so they hide in the bushes to, to wait him out.
1: Mm -hmm. But so they end up waiting for a long time. They don't see anybody. And they wait for so long that Bess and George fall asleep. Like
0: they (laughs) literally
1: lay down on the ground and go to sleep. And Nancy is just standing there like, well, all right.
0: (laughs) I'm on the stakeout alone now. (laughs)
1: And so, um, eventually, she does see someone walking up the driveway. She's like, is that Ned? I can't tell from this far away. So, she tries to get closer. And that man starts to, like, dig in the foundations and try to find something. So, she knows that this is not Ned. This must be Felix Raybold. Mm -hmm. He pulls out a um, safe, opens it up, and starts to light the papers that were in it on fire Mm -hmm. and Nancy's like no (laughs) he can't destroy the evidence against himself that's illegal (laughs) and so she knows that like she can't like there's nothing she can do except to say like stop and like cry for help because Mm. you know she's a woman of course she can't you know attack a man I guess right and but she he starts to run away so she calls for help and Bess and George wake up
0: Thanks, guys. Find Nancy's gone and hear a scream.
1: Yeah. And luckily at this very moment, also, Carson and Ned, both of them are running up the driveway too. And Bess and George are like, she's over there. And they run that way and somehow apprehend this guy. And he just like gets in Carson's car willingly after Carson says he's taking him to the police
0: what and then very very quickly confesses to causing the explosion
1: so quickly at first he's like no his, cuz his wife comes in too he's like no 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 don't don't tell them anything don't say anything but then literally the next sentence is him confessing
0: mm-hmm. nancy's like well wasn't this this and he's like oh you got me <laughs> i'll tell you everything
1: nancy man criminals are putty in her hands
0: mm-hmm so he confesses well he says that the explosion was just an accident yeah that's that's enough for the police to release joe and then nancy presents evidence saying like hey look felix did actually start the fire and they're like okay now we can arrest the rables so
1: yeah she's able to re- recover the papers that he was trying to burn and in that is like proof that he was basically stealing people's inventions and selling them without providing them any compensation and so then Mr. Raybould confesses to being like, I, yeah, I did set mm-hmm. off. <laughs>
0: the explosion. Well, and Mrs. Raybolt gets so mad that Nancy has this evidence that she starts talking as well and starts like laying it all out. So we get this story that um, they rigged up the TV remote to explode whenever he hit a certain button or whatever. And he, the whole time he knew that Joe had this appointment with him and the plan was to blame the fire on joe yeah but then in a moment of i guess guilt he pulls out a check and writes joe a check for all the money that he'd owed him in Mm -hmm. the process of stealing his invention
1: i don't know i didn't read it as guilt i read it as like trying to stop joe from potentially suing him oh okay yeah I i thought but i don't know but yeah that's supposed to be our happy ending i think there's no there's no big scene at the end is there
0: there is there's a victory dinner that Nancy holds. Oh, I missed that too. Um, so yeah, both the Raybolts get arrested, and Nancy's like, "Let's have a dinner at my house oh, tomorrow." Right,
1: the wallets. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mrs. Swenson is is so grateful and thankful for Nancy's help and that she presents Nancy best George with purses and Ned with a wallet.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they also give Nancy the. The ring, the the D on it, that was apparently both of their mothers somehow and family heirloom heirloom to Nancy is like a reward for having solved the mystery, which is way too generous in my opinion. But
1: yeah, and Nancy is, of course, touched by this, but Mm -hmm. um,
0: doesn't refuse it. (laughs) right she accepts it and then ned asks her out again mm-hmm. and do you want to go out another date sometime and she evades the question says well maybe someday we'll have another mystery that we can work on together keeping them at a distance i know oh but that, that's the story what a story
1: i what mean what a good one what a story so okay i mean like where do we i mean do we have to start with ned like let's just let's just start with ned it's just Oh, it's so cute. <laughs> Not of like girly squeeze that oh. I made when reading this book was too many. <laughs> me there too, me was too. just so many times where well, one Bess and George teasing Nancy like relentlessly about Ned. Bess says at one point that like she she knows how to do it like she knows how uh, to treat your dates like you got to make
0: them work for it. Bess mm-hmm. said basically you got to make them work. And Nancy does not take that advice lightly. She puts him to work immediately. She <laughs> sends him on errands.
1: She like she puts the boy to work,
0: spending his money, using his time.
1: <laughs> Literally, like the very beginning is we see Ned trying to be helpful. Like mm-hmm. that's how we meet Ned. Is Ned's trying to do something helpful? When we learn his name, he's doing something helpful. He tries to help. Like he helps Nancy find a garage. He buys Nancy soda while she waits. Like he. <laughs> is like king helpfulness. That's mm-hmm. his like his whole thing. And Nancy's like great. Another Aaron boy. It's exactly what I need. First of all, to help me solve these mysteries. Two, be easy on the eyes. It's it's a win-win.
0: Nancy, what would Ned have to do to get a second date after all that and he's still he still give him a vague answer Mm-mm. and ev- evade his She's so coy with
1: him. She's mm-hmm. so coy with him. And I remember talking, I think it was in witch tree symbol we were talking about, like Mm -hmm. just being so surprised as to to like how evasive she was with him. Mm -hmm. But like she starts that way and she never stops being that way. And I think Mm -hmm. that's hilarious. That is so funny. She absolutely will not let on to her feelings about him, Mm -hmm. even 40
0: books later. Hilarious. What a good introduction to Ned.
1: It was. Okay, we have to talk though because there's a description of Ned in this. Yes. We get it. We get a legitimate description in this. I wrote down the page.
0: This book will make you feel like you're a 16 year old girl giggling in the back of math class about teasing your friend about their crush. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay, so they say.
1: Uh, The young man pulled as close to the edge of the drive as possible. He was about 19, Nancy decided, surveying him critically. Very conveniently, only a year older than Nancy, I might add. Um, His hair was dark and slightly curly, his eyes whimsical and friendly. He wore a college fraternity pin. So dark, curly hair, tall, dark, and handsome Ned. Um, I will say, how did she know that he was about 19? When you're roughly describing someone's age... You're like, let me see. They're about 23 years old. No.
0: Taking a psychic reading of Penn Nickerson.
1: <laughs> you say they're in their early 20s or, you know, mm-hmm. late, teens, late teens, I guess. Yeah. But she's like, he's about 19. I can tell he's a little bit older than me, but not older than a year.
0: <laughs> yeah. I guess if you're wearing a fraternity pen, she knows he's at least 18. He has to be in college. But, sure. I mean, he could be 20, he could be 22, whatever, but.
1: But so that's our, you know, that's our Ned. With a whimsical look in his eyes. Which, what does that mean exactly? Whimsical look in your eye? I don't know. Is it like this? Like, kind (laughs) of (laughs) wide-eyed? Oh, goodness. Okay, so I I don't want to move off of Ned entirely yet. But we also get a really great description of Nancy in this Mm -hmm. book. And I will just say that in general like the writing in this book was top-notch oh yeah really great this is like peak mildred Wirt benson she was like on it in this mm-hmm. so she says about nancy um nancy was pretty in a distinctive way so again we get we get that a lot her eyes are blue her hair tish and blonde yeah you mentioned that before she expressed her opinions firmly, but did not force them on others. Nancy's ability of leader abilities of leadership were welcome and depended upon in any group. So like, dang, what an impressive description.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: She she has firm opinions, but doesn't press them on anybody. That feels kind of like a 1950s. is Yeah. <laughs> you know, but the rest of it is like really cool. But so like just w- what a great foundation for mm-hmm. us, you know. Yeah to build off of for both Ned and Nancy. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. What else do we want to talk about with Ned? This isn't technically about Ned, but this party that she goes to, the dance that they go to together where she meets the postmaster's son. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was so strange that he starts like, making jokes about the mail and telling anecdotes about mail carrying and Nancy's just eating this up. She's like, "Oh my goodness, tell me more about the mail service."
1: <laughs> there was that was a weird scene
0: in general. Yeah. Like, there was also a weird part
1: of that where the there was a sentence like Ned claimed Nancy. They're talking about mm-hmm. like dancing, but it was like the word like he claims her mm-hmm. was like I was like mm, I don't like that.
0: No. No, that's weird. But,
1: but yeah, so maybe I mean maybe it was because he's a bit jealous about how she would uh act him with Phil the Postmaster. So
0: very into the the post office conversation <laughs> with him. But I not is it really believable that some frat boy would go to a party and then start <laughs> talking about the postal service? <laughs> He's got all these anecdotes about... Me. It's just not the most believable thing that these are just hilarious male stories. <laughs> I mean,
1: it sounds almost exactly like some of the boys I went to school with, Corey. I don't oh, know. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just trying to imagine like some boy who thinks he's really cool and is like, my dad
0: works at the post office. <laughs> he's captivating the whole party.
1: <laughs> but his dad's work, not his... like. Yeah, he, these
0: aren't even first-hand accounts. It's not his no. experiences.
1: It's like, I mean, like, I, I, you know, I definitely think, you know, post workers are very important and
0: it's a great job,
1: but, like, to think it's an exciting job or, like, <laughs> a job that's, like,
0: the most interesting story you could tell at a party.
1: That 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 your child would be like, well, my dad. <laughs> it's that is funny to think about
0: very very important work obviously just not stories you tell at parties sorry but just a little too convenient for the plot that he's just yeah. yeah so
1: well i so apparently i did read this also on wikipedia the male plot the male fraud plot is a subplot that was added in the revision Oh, okay. So it was an addition. And apparently some people didn't like this because they thought that it was basically just filler plot that didn't need to happen. So it is kind of. (laughs) Yeah. So that makes sense. That tracks, you know, it's kind of uh, haste, not
0: hastily, but kind of
1: sloppily put in there. Mm -hmm.
0: So that's where we don't meet the bad guy until like two pages before we find out what his crimes are. And like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then it's resolved in another page after that. So, yeah. I could see that now that you say that. That's really interesting.
1: So, we did get. So, I wrote down three skills from Nancy that I picked up from this book. Um, awesome. So, I wrote, speak some Swedish. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if that really qualifies or not, but apparently she could determine when something is Swedish. I couldn't do that. Like, if you give me like a written yeah. sample of Swedish, I wouldn't be able to say, like, that's Swedish. I would right. probably be able to tell you it was probably some germanic germanic situation going on but like i would not be able to be like "Mm, I I so that um also handwriting analysis because she um Mm. when she reads the diary she says nancy felt sure the diary belonged to a man for though the writing was small and cramped the characters were bold so she is she can uh read writing and be like that's a man's writing (laughs) So again, not that impressive, but still.
0: Side note, is there any scientific basis for that? No. Okay. I didn't absolutely not. Absolute (laughs) hokum. Like Oh Nancy, you guessed correctly. Good job. But like
1: but I mean it used to be like a legit like I mean not legitimate, but like people were
0: it was a big deal. People like really studied it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like part of forensics. And...
1: Right. So it's not surprising that it would show up in like a detective story at this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But today, I mean, like, no, aside from like being able to say that, like, this is this person's handwriting. You can, Which is a
0: different story. It's yeah, a
1: different thing. Like being able to say like, okay, yes, the, you know, the eyes match or whatever. I can tell that the same person wrote this, that wrote that. But like being able to like, look at the slant of someone's writing and know that it, it and know that that means that they're creative or yeah. <laughs> whatever is no, absolutely. Yeah.
0: His shoes were tied too tight when he was writing this and that threw him off. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> um, and then the last one is that she can fall asleep quickly, but I, that not that as quick as, old as old Bess old. And George because she was really tired that day. That's why they wrote that, but her head fell asleep right as she hit the pillow. And I was just like, gosh, Nancy really is perfect. I know. She she literally she doesn't she doesn't have any struggles, man. Perfect life. <laughs> but so after so after she falls asleep really quickly, she wakes up the next day at nine o'clock in the morning and she makes a comment about how she overslept. And I'm like, if nine o'clock is oversleeping, oh my God. <laughs> like I am in trouble. Like, woo.
0: Yeah, especially nine o'clock for an 18 year old that doesn't have a job or school or anything. Like,
1: summertime, like in high school, there were some days where I slept until like 4 p.m. Oh, yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> and then up till 4 a.m. Right. But,
1: I mean, of course. Right. But because that's the only, like, you know, unsupervised hours where I could do whatever I wanted, eat whatever snacks I wanted. <laughs>
0: When really, it's just we're sitting in our rooms playing Nancy Drew. That's yeah. what we we're up to until
1: 4 a.m. But... Oh, watching
0: Buffy for the 12th time. Yeah. <laughs> um, One good thing, I didn't notice any racism, at least not outright in this story. Yeah. As far as I noticed, we only had white characters that might have been, you know, changed with the the revision, obviously. We do have some some class issues and some classism going on in themes in this story. So Mm -hmm. that was really interesting.
1: The way they talk about the Swensons a lot is really interesting. Mm -hmm. And so Nancy is obviously, she obviously feels very, um, feels a lot of compassion for them and she really wants to help them or whatever. But I don't know, a lot of emphasis is placed on them being poor, but, poor and helpless poor and helpless but also mm-hmm. clean okay mm-hmm. they make a lot of reference or a couple references at least to honey is underfed and her clothes are shabby but she's clean and she's cute right She's mm-hmm. cute and blonde she's a blonde yeah. white child right so like we get so much uh, there's just a lot it's just a lot to
0: unpack right It felt like an implication that like they're deserving of help because they're attractive and they're clean and because dirty people and people who aren't
1: blonde haired and blue eyed are somewhat more deserving of poverty. Right. Or like, you know, or are less deserving of help (laughs) because somehow that their situation is, is expected or they did it to themselves or somehow they, they have more responsibility for their own poverty.
0: Right. But the Swensons shouldn't be in this situation. They deserve to be up somewhere higher and they've fallen down on their luck. So, mm-hmm. which is nice of Nancy to, to give that help. It's just a little, I don't know, self-defeating. I don't know, but
1: yeah, 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 no, but it's also interesting too, that, I mean, you know, Nancy is, you know, the upper class white lady and she swoops in basically to kind of save this family. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, she has good intentions, but we don't get a whole lot of Mrs. Swenson's thoughts about this, which I was right. really disappointed in,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, there's a, there's, a, she makes a few little objections to Nancy trying to like help her with food and stuff. But like, other than that, she doesn't, she doesn't say like, oh, you know, yeah, we are really struggling. Your help would be really appreciated or actually, no, we really want you to stay, <laughs> stay out of our lives, you know? Right. And I just felt like if, if only the Swensons could be more explored as a as characters and as people
0: with their own inner world, more three dimensional. Yeah, right? it would be a little bit better. <laughs> we don't even learn Mrs. Swenson's first name; she's just Mrs. Swenson the entire story.
1: Yeah, they do. So they do pay a lot of attention to Honey at first, um, mm. but not even really. They really treat her a lot like an object or kind of like a little doll. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They talk a lot about her appearance and her being so cute, and they literally buy her clothes to dress her up in, and, like, it's kind of creepy and, like, like yeah, like, weirdly ownership-y mm-hmm.
0: oriented. I don't
1: know, that's not a weird way to say that, but you know what I mean.
0: Nancy is clearly very good with children. We've seen her with children a lot, especially in the books that we've covered. I know that in Secret of the Ill Clock, there's a whole storyline with an impoverished child that has had her parents killed in an accident or something. So she has to go help them. But this just felt like way over the top compared to any of those other examples that we've we've already seen.
1: Yeah. I understand that it's supposed to be a situation where we're like highlighting Nancy trying to, you know, work for the underdog, right? She's trying to help people. And she's trying to use her powers for quote unquote good, basically. Mm. But I mean, it's definitely just another situation where like a wealthy white woman comes in and applies her wealth and magically solves the problem, you know, and we're supposed to call that charity when really it's her using her privilege that like she, she fixes the situation because she can,
0: you know what I mean? Like, and uh, yeah. So. And I mean, if you think it's not a fix. Yeah. Like, I get what you're saying, but she's it's five dollars is only going to go so long. And like the most help she could have given them was solving this mystery, finding her husband. Like all the other stuff is yeah, great of you, Nancy. I'm glad that you helped them out and were willing to go to that extent. But it's not, you know, don't act like you're the the hero in this because you made them dinner. Like, you know, it just feels like, well, I mean,
1: like. You know, Nancy, you you need to like acknowledge that you are not a savior here. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Like you, um, you are helping, but like mm-hmm. you are not you are not here to fix their life. You know, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: No, what, what's really going to help this family is the lack of the Great Depression first of <laughs> all. Finding dad a job, I I don't know. Mom probably doesn't work. I don't imagine Mrs. Swenson has a job. It's not mentioned or anything here, so it's you know,
1: yeah. But I mean, like overall, I mean, I think, you know, aside from from that, it is a good story of Nancy at least at least showing compassion to someone. Yes. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Let's talk about this money that they leave for the party when when Nancy Bess and George are deciding that they are going to throw this big feast or they keep calling it a feast, this dinner that they're going to have for Mrs. Swenson and honey. And then of course, Ned comes later. Um, Nancy's like, okay, how much money do we have between the three of us? Best pulls out like two bucks. George has like a dollar. I'm not sure if Nancy has any money on her, but they might be able to get together like three or $4 here. I think they specifically say
1: how much money. No, no, no. Um, They like say specifically how much they had together. Oh yes, so Bess has two dollars and ten cents, George only has a dollar, but then Nancy says with what I have, that will be enough. And that she'll okay. she's saying she'll pay them back for the money that they are offering. Oh gotcha. But they okay. like say, No, 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 don't don't. Gotcha.
0: Okay. Yeah. This is where I was confused. Cause I was like, okay, we might have $3 say Nancy throws in another couple dollars. We might have five bucks here total. And that today is like $25. But then Nancy goes to the grocery store and gets like $300 worth of food. And I was just like, how does this, how did that happen? But that makes a lot more sense. I didn't,
1: yeah. I didn't well, catch
0: how much Nancy had contributed.
1: Well, we don't, so we don't actually know specifically how much Nancy contributed, but presumably, yeah, presumably she has a lot of money on her, at least like Mm -hmm. I would assume 20 bucks or something. Right. Which is interesting to think about Nancy in relationship to Bess and George, um, like just how much more well off she is because we don't, I mean, we know that Bess and George are also like of a similar social class as Nancy. Right. But I think, I think it's implied that Bess and George kind of have a large family.
0: Okay. Yeah. And those cousins,
1: those cousins, man. (laughs) Um, And I I feel like, I don't know, I don't know where I get that impression from to maybe like somehow, sometimes they reference Bess's mom. But so I just think it's interesting to think about, you know, Nancy having a lot more money because like really like her father is like this up and coming lawyer. She doesn't have a mother. There's not really like a household really situation to like deal with. It's just her and her dad and then they pay Hannah. And so like she maybe has like a lot more cash.
0: Disposable income. Yeah. Or not income, but yeah. Okay. That makes a lot more sense because it was like, okay, we got our three bucks and now we're going to go to the grocery store and we're going to get all of our essentials and then we're going to get bread. We're going to get milk. We're going to get cheese. We're going to get steaks. We're going to get all this chicken. We're going to get a bone for the dog. We're going to get cakes. We're going to get ice cream. We're going to get juices and we're eating cookies. And like, I'm like, this is adding up to a lot now. It, the, like, yeah, you could go to the grocery store and get like, you know, stuff for dinner for the equivalent of today's 25 bucks, but you can't get all that. for.
1: Well, so I, I am definitely not an expert in any shape or form on this, but weren't, I think things are generally cheaper too. Like it's not just inflation. Mm-hmm. I think like foods and, and goods and stuff were just really a lot cheaper back then too. Oh, that would that would explain a lot of it. So, but, but I mean, I don't obviously. I don't. I'm not an expert on any of that. Okay, what is a sports dress?
0: Sports dress. What is, is that?
1: that? Like a, a tennis dress. I made a note of that, and I was like, "What the heck? I've never heard that term before." It's like a tennis dress. Okay, interesting. So we did we did get a lot about their outfits. I felt like in this book, yes. not not the most we've ever gotten, but there was a healthy amount. At one point when Nancy's going on the dinner, uh, dinner dance with Ned, they talk a lot about her outfit. She's wearing a green chiffon dress with gold heels and a white wrap or something. And I'm like, wow, what an
0: outfit. Like, Sounds spectacularly 60s. Yes,
1: but like gold heels with like, it just felt like so many different colors. I was like,
0: wouldn't you want a match or something? But no. Nancy Drew looks good in whatever she wears. She does, apparently. Not to change the subject too much here, but I found a weird one at the very end that I didn't understand what it was referring to or if this was a typo. Yeah. It's when uh, Carson and Ned show up at the end at the house to help Nancy with catching Felix Raybold, And Nancy says, how in the world did you and dad get here at the psychological moment? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The psychological moment? What it like?
1: So I feel like I've heard that before and I don't know exactly what it means, but I it means like it's it's like the most important moment. Like but I feel like it's somehow in reference to like film. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, That's like hmm. like a psychological thriller, maybe. Hmm. Okay. I I don't know. Yeah. But it means it means like an like the most important moment, like the the right moment. Yeah.
0: I just thought maybe they'd chosen the wrong word on accident.
1: <laughs> there was also a lot of a lot of use of the word fine again in this book. And I don't know oh, yeah. why it irritates me so much. I don't know. But like every time I see Nancy say fine and she means really great. That's awesome. But I I just can't I cannot read it. And it just sounds like Nancy being like, Fine. <laughs> and like being really like snotty about it. I know that's not what it is, but every time mm-hmm. I read it, I can't not. Think about it. Right. So they make a, a reference. So when they go to see a movie later, when they're just like killing time in Stanford, they, they say th- that it is a historical mystery movie. Mm. And so I was like, well, what movie? Like, I want to know. So, oh, I closed the tab. Hold on.
0: Did you Google mystery movies from 1932? I did. <sighs> We're going to have to watch this now, whatever it is.
1: No there's there's quite a few. All right, moviefone.com tells us. It doesn't say that these are specifically historical mystery movies and I tried to find what that really meant, but really I mean it's just basically a subgenre of like mysteries that were set in like a historical time period or whatever. So makes sense. I don't know what it could have been, but all of these were mystery movies released in 1932. Okay. Dr. X Murders in the Rue Morgue Arsene Lupin, Lupin with John Barrymore is in that one. Ooh, the Phantom of Crestwood, the Hurricane Express, the Sign of Four, the Sherlock Holmes Sign of Four. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh-huh. The Death Kiss, uh, the Penguin Pool Murder, which hilarious. Alias Mary Smith, the Crooked Circle, Tombstone Canyon, uh, Secrets of Wu Sin, the Hound of the Baskervilles.
0: Okay, also Sherlock.
1: The Phantom Express, Mystery Ranch. Oh, sorry. There seems to be way more than I originally thought there were. Um, okay. Silent Witness, Six Hours to Live, Tangled Destinies, Tests of the Storm Country, and Wayne Murder Case. And if you go wow. on moviephone.com and look at all of these film, what do you call them? Movie posters, covers, whatever. They are yes, amazing. Yeah, amazing looking, like just so colorful, like the faces on them, like the I mean, they're all they're almost all um, like painted, you know, like, oh, cool. like, a, like art. Uh, but there are some photographs in there. But the painted ones are super cool looking and really just give like a flavor of the time. So, just mm. you could just go on there and just imagine what Nancy Drew might have been watching at the movies of that day. That's so interesting. And yeah, I just found it really interesting. But yeah, two Sherlock Holmes mysteries were released in that year. So, yeah, she could have been watching Sherlock Holmes. She might have been. Yeah. I thought, I just thought it was really interesting. And the mm-hmm. fact that Nancy would pick a historical mystery movie. Of pick, course she would. Like, of course, obviously.
0: What else would Nancy Drew be watching? Like, I just thought
1: it was such a nice little addition. But I really wish I know they obviously they wouldn't say because it would date the book, but I wanna know. I wanna know what movies Nancy watches. I wanna know what music she listens to in, in her yeah. roadster or
0: you know, her convertible. I bet Nancy was a, a Sherlock Holmes fan. I bet she grew I up reading so. the stories. I bet so.
1: But I I also wanted to talk too about Bess in general because we so we literally open up the book with like a best fat
0: shaming mm-hmm. situation. They're so at the picnic. Yeah. And
1: they do that a lot. They mention that a lot throughout. But I feel like Bess has I am like sticking to my theory about Bess being psychic. Because Bess has like a premonition at one point. She says as they drove away from the Nickerson home, Bess said nervously, I have a feeling something dreadful is going to happen tonight.
0: Bess has a sixth sense.
1: This is when they um, they're going to confront Felix or like stake out Felix. So she has a feeling Mm. something bad is going to happen and kind of does. I mean, they fall asleep and Nancy is left alone, has to like scream for help.
0: Like, yeah,
1: I just thought. And and that's even what. Oh, this is what she says. Oh, my gosh. okay, I just realized this. She says, I have a feeling something dreadful is going to happen tonight. It wouldn't be so bad if there only were other houses close by, but they're so far away. The neighbors wouldn't hear us, even if we screamed for help.
0: Y'all! Is Beth just foreshadowing, or is she really just a psychic?
1: Beth is a psychic! Nancy tells her to calm down. She says three strong, capable girls like ourselves shouldn't need any help. Literally, Nancy has to call for help. Yeah, Bess is like worried because people won't be able to hear their help if Carson and Ned hadn't come up at the psychological moment. Mm-hmm. Then Bess's premonition would have come true.
0: Bess, Bess, what do you know? What do you know that you're not telling us? Bess, clue us in.
1: Bess Marvin, at ESPN.
0: This would be a totally different book series. It would just be Bess saying, "Here's the bad guy. Let's go get him."
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. <sighs> oh. Okay. Anyway, those were all my random aside points. But like I do, I do want to talk about, uh, we we talked about this in, oh gosh, which book was it? Oh, which which tree symbol? We talked about um, kind of like the concept of like what a criminal is.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah
1: according to this time, it kind of seems like they make it out that like criminals are born and not made. Right. They kind of just Mm -hmm. are the way they are and they just commit crimes for no reason. They just do it because they're compelled to do it for some reason. Mm -hmm. And I felt, I felt a lot of that in this book too, except for the fact that like when Nancy at the very beginning, when they're starting to like learn all this information about Joe Swenson and how it kind of like builds the case builds up against him. As soon as Nancy sees him, She's like, and she talks to him for like a minute. She's like, okay, now I know that he didn't do this. Right. And we can kind of take that like as either, yeah, okay, Nancy is a good detective. So she has like this intuition or, you know, this gut feeling that he's not responsible. We could read it that way. But also I think you can read it like, well, is she saying that because now that she's observed, he is a quote unquote good person and not She's a criminal.
0: value to him and that right. value means can't be a criminal like
1: just because he's earnest about his his experience she's like okay you wouldn't you wouldn't do this I know you wouldn't do mm. this she does express some doubt a little bit after that but that but that's the only moment she expresses doubt and then afterwards she's like completely convinced of his innocence and like mm. like goes to great lengths to defend him to even like prevent him from coming into contact with the police like nice. she, she and, and I thought that that was extreme for Nancy like I have never I mean, I don't remember any other moments in the books where Nancy like basically openly defies the police. Like she literally heard two people on the street talking about how they were going to arrest him. We didn't know that they were cops at the time, but it seemed like they were saying that they were arresting him. And she goes to basically thwart him away. They're driving mm. him down the road and she has the thought like, do I have him crouch down in the seat? Do I have him hide? Mm. Um, she, you know, decides not to. But mm. like, she's like actively trying to like evade the police basically Mm -hmm. to save this guy that she talked to for five minutes and was like, okay, he's, he's innocent, Mm
0: -hmm. you know? Because she likes his daughter.
1: Maybe. Or because, you know, she, you know, she just thinks he's a, he's a good person. And so not a, not a criminal.
0: It's interesting to think about criminality with this one, because I think this is the first time where we, we see a suspect that, Nancy determines this is not the guy. Uh, Usually it's like, okay, we think it's this guy. So we got to find him, track him down, prove his, his guilt. Uh, But for this, she's trying to exonerate someone for the first time that we've seen so far, at least. So
1: there's even a part. So when, um, right, when she sees him fleeing the Raybolts fire, she says his actions were those of a guilty person. Nancy thought he doesn't look like a criminal she thought Mm. she literally thinks that so they just talk about him being tall gaunt and poorly dressed that that's all they have said about him and so what does that mean you his actions are that of a guilty person but he doesn't look like a criminal what does a criminal look like nancy and this guy says he was gaunt and poorly dressed so you would think that you know according to the mores of the time mores Mm -hmm. of the time say that that you would think a poorly dressed person would be you know, more likely to be considered a criminal.
0: Right. So what is, what is that about? I'm not sure. Yeah. It's why he doesn't look like a criminal. So. <laughs> <He's white. laughs> yeah.
1: But yeah, but just to think that like you see someone literally doing something that looks like criminal behavior, fleeing the scene of a crime. Mm-hmm. And then you say, but he doesn't look like a guilty person. He doesn't right. look like a criminal. So, yeah it, i just found it really interesting to think about th- this this book seemed to like really be like wh- who who is a criminal who is a guilty person um and nancy just being able to decide that based right. on her feelings and and about trying to convince other people of that you know i just right. thought it was just
0: interesting i also have a really interesting comparison between how the police treat joe swenson versus how they treat rayball because when they Mm -hmm. first arrest joe um they let nancy best and george go but they hold him and nancy's like you can't hold him because you don't have proof that felix is even dead like there's no body we don't know for certain that he's dead you can't hold him on suspicion of murder and they're like well we we can't prove that he didn't so we got to hold him yeah i thought that was so weird it was weird but then when when felix is you know when they bring him into the police station and he starts confessing they're like well you know we can't hold him on on this this confession itself we have to have the confession of of this specific thing that he did blow up the house not just that he was swindling people out of their money we also have to have this other confession and x y and z evidence we have to have all these criteria met before we'll even consider arresting felix when or we arrested joe and held him just on we don't have a body but there might be one eventually so we got to keep in it until we figure out one way or the other
1: yeah Yeah, that was super weird. And I don't know, when I read that, I was like, is it just that, like, is it the way that they, like, prosecuted back then? that Like, you know, you didn't need as much evidence or something or, like, what? But then, then, yeah, why wouldn't they? I guess because there wasn't evidence of a crime having been committed if he set
0: fire to his own house or whatever um, until Nancy fraud or like he does admit to to setting the house on fire but then he's like oh yeah i was i was planning to fake my own death my wife and i were just waiting until the insurance money for the house and my life insurance comes through and then we were going to flee the country yeah you know, but they it?
1: don't they don't say that until nancy comes back
0: with the papers oh okay yeah. so that's coming back evidence with the proof. right 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 okay. right so i yeah and that makes yeah. more sense
1: But no, I I feel that I feel somewhat is the same way is that they treated them very differently. And Mm. yeah, that I thought it was really interesting that they would hold and keep Joe Swenson under arrest, but not arrest, you know, Felix on suspicion of that,
0: even though, yeah, 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 yeah and we don't have anything indicating that anyone besides Nancy witnessed Joe running away mm-hmm. so where do they get the like where do they get the intel to go get Joe like how do they know that he was the one that was there unless Nancy specifically told them and yeah. we know she didn't yeah
1: that's a plot hole uh, yeah. yeah that is okay. a major plot hole yeah we okay. don't we don't know that i mean we know that like the it seemed like the only people who knew the, oh it was mrs rablet Okay. Because Mrs. Rabel knew that he had an appointment and they were planning dependent on Joe Swenson. Oh, okay, so she, okay. that's what she was
0: doing. Right, 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 right. But I guess she could say, like, they had an appointment, but there was no no one but Nancy witnessed that he was physically yeah. there. Yeah. Nancy could have just been thinking, oh, well, I talked to him and he said he missed the meeting because he had to work or, you know, something like that. But Okay, that explains a little bit. Yeah, little bit
1: I will say, so at the very end, they say At the end of the session, everyone in the room showed complete disgust for the Raybolts. As they should. Mm -hmm. I thought that was interesting to kind of see the role reversal, right? Of like, we have this poor man who has been accused and convicted, and he never did anything wrong, and then we have, you know, this rich asshole, uh, basically, Mm -hmm. and now everybody knows it, right? So, again, I just think it's so, it's book like very was very pointed about how it kind of it, it tried to like show like see like see poor people aren't bad it's the rich mm. people who are exploiting the poor people and mm. and so for that i thought i thought it was really it was really great
0: yeah that was yeah. well done definitely yeah. So. yeah how many flashlights how many flashlights would you get this one
1: oh i think four i think four I think out, think out of five four. I would love to give it five, but when I was reading it, I don't know. I felt I wasn't super invested. I I thought it was really interesting and really fun. And I like laughed out loud at some points and and all the Ned stuff made me very happy. Um, But like the mystery I felt wasn't, I wasn't super interested in. And I don't know if that's just the subject matter. Like I just, I don't know, inventions and a fire. I'm like, meh. But wasn't um, a there yeah. wasn't a castle involved, right? No right. castle, no hidden treasure, no pirates. Mm-hmm. Like I'm out. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like I really, I really loved um, it was so well so, written. It was so so real. well. Really you can really see such a difference between the earlier books and the later books. Like yes. it is so marked. Like the the later ones are yeah, do not hold a candle to to these and so yeah thought. for that it's yeah for that i give it four or five
0: what about you i would probably also give it a four this this one was really up there for me it, i don't remember what we rated larks for lane i think that that of the ones that we've covered that's still top of the list for me i don't want to rate this one higher than that but i would say maybe just one notch lower than than larks for lane was because i really did enjoy enjoy this one especially all the the cute ned nancy moments
1: I think I think we rated Larkspur Lane 5 out of 5.
0: I know I think I
1: did for sure. Mm,
0: I wouldn't be surprised. It deserved 5 out of 5. So let me if we didn't score it that, let me retroactively go back <laughs> and score it a 5 out of 5. <laughs> I will
1: say though, I think Clue in the Diary was better written than Larkspur Lane. Yeah. Yeah. I I think like it made more sense. The plot didn't seem like though I wasn't like raptly paying attention to it. The plot didn't mm. seem like far-fetched or even like unusual or like didn't make any sense or like it made it made perfect sense and like i didn't i didn't really notice any any like you know gaping holes in the same way that like we've noticed in other ones and even in larks Lane, it was kind of like well nancy's kind of putting this unrealistic expectation and why does she have to be the one to go in and rescue the people from the nursing home and you know Mm. like it just so happens that they meet these people on the beach i mean like there was some kismet-y situations in there, like the showing up on the exact right day or learning the information on the exact right day to be able to go, you know, see Felix Raybolt to
0: catch him in the act act
1: of destroying evidence. But otherwise, like, I felt like it was just really solid. It was really solid. And it was like really pleasant to read like all the the writing it was really interesting to read how nancy was i felt like we got a lot a a lot of a bigger picture of her character um in this one than in larkspur lane which i i feel like larkspur lane gave us a really good feel for like the setting of river heights and kind of nancy's world in general yeah Um, but a clue in the diary i think really showed us who nancy is as a person Mm
0: -hmm. so absolutely yeah And if you are not a Ned fan, this one might get you on board if you, if you haven't read this one.
1: (laughs) I know I felt a little bit swayed. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I want to say this publicly or anything, but I am a Frank Hardy fan. Yeah, me too. I am, I'm not so hot for Ned, but this book, like,
0: I don't know. You can see why she was into him in the first place, even if it, you know, maybe it doesn't stay that way, especially as we go through the Nancy Drew files and everything. But definitely a good, good meeting of Ned. Wonderful way to introduce him. There is
1: nothing like a man who will run errands for you.
0: Yes. Who will put gas in your car, who
1: will go get groceries.
0: Rip your broken fender off your car with his (laughs) bare hands during a traffic jam. (sighs) Oh... And then buy you a soda or buy won. you ice cream. <laughs> oh, Nancy. No,
1: nah, maybe it does deserve five out of five.
0: <laughs> oh, there's some really cute moments yeah. in here. So. Okay. Oh, good one. Do we want to talk about next episode? Hmm.
1: Well, you know, it's so nice that we brought up Password to Larks Lane again. Yes. <laughs> Because for our 10th episode, we are actually going to cover Nancy Drew, Detective, the very first movie from 1938.
0: Yeah, starring Benita Granville as Nancy. Yeah, so really excited for that.
1: I've You showed it to me a long time ago, but
0: I have, I have absolutely no never, memory of this. Yeah, I,
1: yeah. Remember, I remember nothing. I No, I take that back. I remember that the guy in it, the male lead or whatever, is named Ted, not Ned. Oh, okay. It okay. changed his name to Ted. And I remember not being a fan of that. But yeah.
0: Who would be? I know. Differing from the source material for no reason like that.
1: It was absolutely pointless.
0: So anyway. But we do know from Google that it is supposed to be based on Mark Sperlane. So having mm-hmm. just read that a few a few episodes ago, be nice to see how they adapted it for that late thirties audience. Yeah. Exciting. Exciting. So we hit a really exciting milestone recently. We, we actually just hit 1,000 total streams. So as a, a thank you to everyone who has subscribed, listened along, commented, uh, you know, just been a part of this at all. We want to say thank you so much. Um, we're actually going to do a giveaway over on our social media accounts. If you want to go over there and check out our most recent post about the giveaway, you will see how you can enter that. And I'm sure we'll put a list of what the the actual prize is as well.
1: Yep. Yeah. We are so, so happy and so excited to have you all listening to us just gap away about Nancy Drew. It's our favorite topic to talk about. And so we're so glad you all like to listen. And yeah, we hope you'll participate in the giveaway and tag your friends um, so that they can hop on the Nancy train too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> this has been such a fun experience so far. Not only just getting to to do this between us, but also to... Yeah. There's been so many people that have reached out to us and said so many nice things. We just want you to know that we appreciate it. And it means a lot to us that, that so many people are so excited to to listen to this podcast and talk Nancy Drew with us.
1: Yeah, it's really cool.
0: It's really, really cool.
1: Cool, cool. All right. We'll see you then, Regular Drews. Bye. Thank you for listening to Regular Nancy Drew. Email us at regularnancydrew at gmail.com. If you liked this episode, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also follow us on Instagram
0: at drew and Twitter at regularnd. You can also support us on Patreon. Patrons at the $1 level receive early access to each episode as well as weekly bonus content. And to all you regular Drews out there, thanks for listening.